What up, y'all? You're listening to the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk Podcast with your host, Thomas Miller and Corey Adair. Your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot, hot, hot U.S. men's national team takes. Take it away. Go, go, USA! Gratefully claims it. Distribution. Brilliant. Landon Donovan. There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. up y'all you're listening to the gabacho borracho u.s soccer talk podcast with your host thomas miller and Corey adair your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot 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 u.s men's national team takes take it away go go usa gratefully claims it distribution brilliant landon donovan there are things on here for the usa can they do it here cross and dempsey is denied again and donovan has scored oh can you believe this go go usa certainly through oh it's incredible All right, and welcome to the next episode of the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast. As always, it is Corey Dare at DJ Corf 07, and I am here with Thomas Miller at Don Thomas Miller and Dan Angel at Dan Angel 11. Uh, like we do every week, how are we doing this week, guys? Not too bad. Still waiting on the Bundesliga to return. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Thomas. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm doing good, too. Uh, yeah. Bundesliga, I believe. Do they return this week or next? Next. Next week. One more week. Yep. Yeah, back to where it was because we did not finish strong before the World Cup. Yeah, I think out of all of the leagues that took breaks and, and are coming back and the teams where they were at and what form they were in before they left, I think Union is one of the more intriguing storylines. Yeah, for sure. Why, why do you say that? Uh, because nobody expected them to be second in the Bundesliga and then they kind of fell off just a little bit. And yeah. And, you know, how are they going to come back? (laughs) Yeah, it's very true. Plus, I mean, it's not like Union had a plethora of players playing in the World Cup either. So Mm -hmm. this team kind of got to stay together and keep practicing. So maybe their chemistry is better. Maybe they come back in better form. Or is it the law of averages? Like they overachieved in the first half of the season and then they come back down to earth. And what we saw right before the break was really them kind of you know trending back and finding their average so right i i think it's a super intriguing storyline yeah i think i think you're right and yeah i think it will help that our best strikers i mean we raged about burhalter um not bringing pfop gum to the world cup but i'm hoping that'll pay off for union in the second half of the season then of course geraldo becker was never in position to go um given that he represents Suriname, so. Hopefully our CONCACAF um, strikers will um, have used the break to get back on form. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I was wondering with the, the 
uh, Bundesliga always does a winter break, and then they've taken they do. about three more weeks to to come back from the other leagues. But I'm looking, and well, they only have that... 19, 19 matches left. Whereas, like for example, La Liga still has um, uh, 20, 22. Yeah. So, like, I was I was wondering about schedule congestion, but I mean, Bundesliga must have played a ton of games before the World Cup. We did play a fair amount, but. I mean, we're still not even through the first round robin yet. Like, we haven't seen Hoffenheim or Werder Bremen yet. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be interesting. And to be to be completely fair, we did have a mostly soft start to the season because our our first six matches, um, we got Erta not exactly strong, Mines also not strong, Leipzig before they figured out what was going on, um, Schalke, which has proven to be a complete disaster and cologne like the only really solid team we faced starting off was the kings Bayern. Mm-hmm. so and i mean we managed to get a point out of that match but still i don't really know i mean i think we're i think we're good enough to um again make it to europe i hope we're good enough to um compete for a champions league place but it'll be interesting yeah and uh interesting too in the table that i mean berlin you know, union berlin probably not even the darlings right now freiburg yeah they're in second place it's a i mean it's a team about uh, you know to use the term size or whatever as a union berlin they're, they're not a superpower and they're sitting there in second place only four points off Bayern munich so they're having mm-hmm. a really great season too frankfurt as well and those, those, teams ahead of to, those teams have to play each other um in the final the final um, round of the first round robin. So Freiburg and um Eintracht haven't seen each other yet. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Run to the uh <laughs> the second half. It's it's gonna be a wild spring. A lot yeah, of there's there's a lot of teams who could make a big move in the Bundesliga. I mean, Wolfsburg um has won four straight going into the break. I mean Leverkusen had won three straight going into the break. So it's definitely not over yet for a lot of teams. Like the only team that you can definitely say at this point is probably cooked is Schalke. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a four month stretch pretty much. Mm-hmm. Final final match day is, is Saturday, May 18th. No, sorry. Never mind. That's the wrong year. But anyway, I mean, yeah, you're gonna see in every single league, and we've already kind of seen it in England, where they're they're finishing up the EFL Cup, doing the FA Cup, having Premier League games. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna be with that huge break that happened. Uh, it's just gonna be a spring filled with games. As much as we saw teams letting players rest and stuff before the World Cup, we're gonna see it as much here in the second. Yeah, the second half gonna make it harder. Absolutely, to bet. and I think something that we're going to need to watch um for the rest of this campaign is as you touched on fix your congestion especially with the teams who still have Europa League, Champions League and um even Conference League going matches to play because I mean you look at some of those teams and obviously they're going to want to win European um hardware and for some for some of those teams they're going to have to make that choice do we focus on the Europa League or do we worry about our domestic league yeah could definitely make for some Cinderella stories in um, in those tournaments, I guess, in yeah. the, uh, the European tournaments. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, like you look at, um, I mean, 
Um, and we're going to, we're going to touch on them eventually, but I mean, you look at, um, in February, Dortmund and Chelsea play each other in the um, Champions League in the round of 16. And let's be honest, Chelsea is probably not going to come anywhere close to the top four. Like, does Chelsea just decide, pack it in as far as um, the Premier League gum goes? Because we're not getting um, honors that way. We've got to try and make a run as far as we can and just worry about um, European competition. Like maybe maybe we see more of um, results where Chelsea just doesn't show up um, in domestic league play because of that. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, Chelsea is the interesting choice because they're so they're so injured right now that mm-hmm. I don't trust them anywhere. You know, <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> well, in the well I mean, Dortmund's yeah. out of the top four too. Yeah, Dortmund is out of the top that the top four. Like we're I mean, saying, they've obviously got a much and... better chance to finish top four than Chelsea does, but. Yeah. Still, I mean, teams are going to have to make that choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, going to make for, yeah. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, every single day, yeah. Every single day we're going to have stuff to bet on. So, you know, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Follow Cabacho Borracho, US Soccer Pod. GB, G- at GB USA Soccer Pod. At GB USA there Soccer Pod. At Coda Cappers, K-O-T-A-C-A-P-P-E-R-S. We usually tag those. You can see Dan's blogs in there. You can see Corey's picks. See my picks. Good, good to spell that out so that um, people don't get it confused with my Finnish soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, if you guys are okay, I was gonna go ahead and move us along to you know our first main segment. We always. Well, I think the thing I look forward to most every week when we record is that opening riff, though. It, it, it's <laughs> yeah. I think it's always some of our most genuine. Cause I, just given the viewers and anybody who actually listens a heads up, we never actually have talked about what we're going to talk about in that opening riff statement. Like there has not been a single time where <laughs> we said, Hey, let's talk about this. It's literally just an open up. How are we doing this week? And then all of a sudden, bam, 15 minutes are gone. And we just spent the entire 15 minutes talking. Yeah. So, so I, whoever comes up with the first interesting um, statement in that first storm 45 seconds, that basically dictates how the first storm section of our um, show is going to go. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, it's one of the things I look forward to most oh, in my too. week. <laughs> me too. Um, but yeah, so, so first talking point uh, we had, we had some FA cup matches happen. You know, we, we made some plays on them in last episode and they all well, you guys made some plays on them. I stayed far away from cup ties. Hey, I, <laughs> Finished up like 1.8 units. So, which well, well done to you. I just can't hit cup ties. They're they're far too unpredictable for me. Oh, dude! Even in the ones that I hit, it was far like it was massively unpredictable because. Oh yeah. The 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 thought process that I had in making those plays, I would literally get one match completely opposite wrong, and then get lucky on another match. I think there was only one of the five matches that I played where I called it perfectly. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it was like burning disaster or i mean i was so scared of um, betting a cup tie i went into the freaking dutch league yeah um but we did have we did have our our boys in blue at fulham playing today they both did start and fulham ended up taking down chelsea two to one there was a spectacular foul by joao felix the newest member of the blues and uh i know that i put it in the group chat if you guys looked at it or not but it was a pretty it was pretty egregious. It was pretty violent studs up. Uh, so, it, you know, I'm not mad at the red card at all. But it just kind of wanted me to bring up a talking point as far as 
Chelsea and the way they spend money, I know we complain about this, and this is one of the reasons that you know we kind of gravitate towards teams that don't have the money because it requires development and tactics. And, you know, it's like rooting for TCU, you know, against an SEC school. Didn't go very well, but it's kind of a similar concept. But I, I, I couldn't one, do that. My, my cousin's a Georgia grad. Yeah, well, you, you just don't count, Dan. <laughs> the, rest of the, the rest of the country was, was on the Horn Frogs. Congratulations on the championship, Max. Love to see it. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up and throw it around, see what you guys feel, what you guys think. You know, it just seems like Chelsea has this history of always being a massive club, always doing really well, but really hitting at an inconsistent clip as far as guys they bring in and whether they thrive or don't thrive playing for, for Chelsea. And Joao Felix, you know, he wasn't he was he not a record transfer when he got bought by Athletic Thomas? I think he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a big time purchase, really young player that I said was going to be one of my long shots for, you know, leading goal scorer in the World Cup. And I, I, I've always liked Felix. So I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on Chelsea's management, the way they purchase players? You know, oh, it's on a loan. Okay, well, yeah, okay, so it's on a loan, but is it a loan with an option at the end? Yeah, most are these days. Yeah, so I'm just, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you guys think. And the reason that I really wanted to bring this up is also because the it's not official yet, but Chelsea is in the works of getting Nkuku from Leipzig, who was one of the top goal scorers. I think the top goal scorer actually, outside of Lewandowski last year at Munich. So. You know, I mean, they they just they have this history of buying big players, but they don't always play big at Chelsea. You know, the Kevin De Bruyne's, the Mo Salas, you know, they they didn't thrive there, move on, and then they thrive at a club now. And and it's not like, you know, they went to a club that's on a different elevation than than Chelsea. They went to another big club and they did really well at another big club. So I don't know. I just want to see what you guys think, what your thought process is on it and uh, what your takes on it. Um, Chelsea has an endless amount of money. They, especially when they had the Russian ownership, uh, that's been gone now. But like, I think there was a time, you know, like about five years ago where they had something like 35, 35 players under contract out on loan. As far as like their youth academy goes, their young talent, uh, they always have that. And then they always go out looking and looking and looking and buying and buying and buying. And they can win the Premier League or go to the final of the, champions league or whatever and still uh look to improve in the summer and, and it's because they have like an endless amount of money and um and i mean you guys can talk about that i, I just wanted to give a shout out to one uh one twitter account uh, with the jow felix thing. and and i will say any player who comes to premier league you see it over and over again with the exception of erling holland it, it's really it's really hard to adjust to the premier league uh like you're getting kicked a lot it's very physical um it's not to say that Jao Felix, like where he came from, wasn't a very physical manager and a very a manager who was like known to be kind of like gets his players to play really rugged and semi dirty. But, you know, it's 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 a tough transition. You've seen it with Darwin Nunez, too, this year. And I mean, it was only his first game. And <laughs> like I said, Erling Highlands, like the exception to the rule. I think Jao Felix will be all right. I think. He needs to move on from Atletico, especially if Simeone is going to stay there. 
um, just because he hasn't he hasn't blossomed into the player we all thought he would be, especially Corey. And Corey is like one of his biggest, right? Well, yeah, it's it it, it feels like uh, they just never have him playing in a position that best suits him in Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right? Atletico isn't isn't a uh, you know an an out and out attacking team. He needs like a wide open team that he can have space in the midfield and do his thing. Yeah, he needs he needs to be playing. You know, yeah, he needs to be playing a center forward type of position, but not necessarily striker. Because you saw you saw the fluidity in the attacking third out of Portugal when he was feeling it and he was playing up front. But it was a lot of hold up play and every it was all the touches before the box, setting guys up in the box that really made him look very special in the World Cup tournament because he had moments of brilliance in that tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think Chelsea could offer him that type of opportunity more so than than Madrid because Simeone, you're you're right. The way he the way that team plays under him, it's almost like they want him being the point of attack, and yeah. it doesn't seem like that's necessarily his best skill set. Yeah, and and about the foul today, um, watching it, uh, he takes a bad first touch. The ball gets away from him. The Fulham defender. Kicks the ball, and about a full second later, he goes studs up into his knee. Uh, obvious red card in whatever yeah. league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I think in the Nicaraguan National League, that's a red card. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really rough. And um, Swift Kicks, at real Swift Kicks on Twitter, had a good line about that. He said, uh, or they said, uh, when you leave Simeone, but Simeone doesn't leave you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, follows super egregious. I'm having visions of such that. A, five, such a five. bad de- debut, man. That's I'm. I feel bad for the kid. He's only what is he like 21? Yeah, I'm having visions of that five five or that 10, 10 one or uh, nine one low block fuck line or whatever the whatever the <laughs> shit they were doing last year. Oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Dan, what what's your what's your kind of thoughts on Chelsea and? In particular, it seems like they they have more failure. They're like they're like well, a, I, mean, I think I think we can the sum, I think the like best the way to sum game. it up. Yeah. I think the best way to sum it up is Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Yeah, I mean they were both genuine stars in the Bundesliga. Chelsea brought them both in. That was supposed to be a new direction for Chelsea, a new era with um these young stars. Werner's already back at Leipzig, and Havertz is probably going to be on his way out soon. I mean, like. And Chelsea, to me, kind of feels like how the New York Yankees basically just make mistake after mistake and go out and buy somebody else to cover up their mistakes. And it works when you have so much more money than everyone else, but Chelsea doesn't have more money than everybody else. I mean, they have an insane amount of money, but... There's only so much papering over you can do before it catches up with you. And when you're going up against teams that have plenty of money themselves, like a Man City, and that also do some smart things, like your millions are only going to get you so far. Like Chelsea's not going to be at risk of falling out of the top of the table or anything, but they're also not going to be competing for um, much of anything unless they get the right pieces in place. And Having all that money does not work when you make dumb decisions. So, I mean, Chelsea just keeps kind of papering over their screw-ups. I got a hot take here. Chelsea will be lucky to qualify for the Conference League at the end of the season. I think that's right. 
you would assume law of averages, right? Like I, I like to bring up law of averages the second time in this episode, but law of averages, you would assume that at some point in the second half of the season, Chelsea would get on a hot streak, right? I don't necessarily think that happens because if that's going to happen, it's not going to be Graham Potter that does it. Yeah, that's that's something we could definitely see as Graham Potter being let go. But, but but by the time that happens, will it be too late? How bad does Graham Potter have to feel um taking this job when he was in a really good situation at Brighton? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like he's got to feel like the world's biggest dunce because he takes this job, puts himself on the hot seat and he's still looking up at his old employer in the table. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, that, but that has to fall into the category of epic fail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess I guess what made me really want to bring it up, obviously, the match that was played today, you know, we're not all three of us. I don't I, you know, I maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. But all three of us are pulling for our Americans. So in a match where Pulisic's hurt and it's an underdog, I'm pretty sure we're all pulling for Fulham in that situation. So we're watching that or at least seeing the results and looking into the results. So that's obviously why we're talking about it. But I think another larger point here is we're kind of ripping on Chelsea for the way that they just buy players, buy players, buy players. And, you know, it feels like just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks, but they're not even the worst big club in the prem at this. Like the man United makes them look like geniuses with, with the way that they purchase people way overvalued. And by the time they leave the club, they're losing so much money. They're losing so much of that value on these players because they're not getting nearly as much back for them. If like at least Chelsea, when the player, you know, flames out, they're getting their value back or getting more value, whether or not they actually thrived. You know what I mean? Like, I guess, I guess this is just like an overall how teams are managed in the Prem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dan's reference to the, to the Yankees in the Mets, uh, at least in for the Yankees, at least in the first part of the century, or well, not the first part of the century. I mean, they were winning World Series titles at the beginning. Yeah, like, 01. Didn't they win the series in 01? <laughs> they did. Yeah, or, but no, I mean, they lost it. They lost in 01. Um, that was the one they lost to the Diamondbacks. That was the yeah. one everyone would have been okay with them winning. It's like the most unrigged thing we've ever seen. It's the mafia. Well, I mean, you yeah, are talking like, about a rotation that had the unit and Kurt who was the rod and what Kurt Schilling. Yeah, shilling yeah. in the unit. So, I mean, that's yeah. probably one of the most one- deadly one-two punches to ever make it to a World Series. Yep, but it was it was the one time where everybody would have been okay with the Yankees winning it, you know, because of 9-11. Yeah, if, right. if, I had, if I had the money to do it, I would do some in- investigative journalism into, like, what the mafia was playing in those, in those gambling things because, like, it, it really does almost have, like, this reverse rig sort of feeling towards it. Even the though the games, ver- if, you, if you remember the games, they're they're almost impossible to say that they were scripted, or whatever. How did, so crazy. How does PG call it the double reverse rat line? Yeah, yeah, because like, because, the ma- to because the mafia caused caused the Diamondbacks to throw out Byung Hyung Kim um in the ninth inning on back to back games and blow that. They could have said it. They're, I mean, oh no, I totally get their it. hand. We've seen their hand. It there <laughs> are times where. It really does feel like Vegas is over leveraged on somebody. And then all of a sudden where they're over leveraged at doesn't kill them. And Thomas brought up something that I've never even thought about. You're right. 2001, everybody and their mother would have been putting money on the Yankees. Diamondbacks had never won a series. They were good. Diamondbacks had only existed for four years. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were good. 
but it was the Yankees. So yeah. every lay layman fan, you know, lay fan out there would have been putting their money on the Yankees. Right. So Vegas needed the D backs to win that. Plus it was less than two. It was less than two months yeah, after but, 9-11. I mean, yeah, they had, but Vegas also would have needed the, um, Vegas also would have needed the Mets in 2000 and they didn't come close to beating me. Yes. But the, the 9-11 thing is, it makes more people put their money on the Yankees. There's people, there's people that hate the Yankees and outside of that season in 9-11, just I, maybe, but you also have to remember this was 2001. People weren't traveling that much after 9-11. And the only way you could go place a bet at that time was to go to Vegas or Atlantic city. I mean, it wasn't like it is today. Legally, legally. Yeah. But Don't forget I about mean, all the bookies out there, bro. I, I know, I know. But I mean, how many of them were, were there in 2001? Lots. <laughs> Yeah. Don't, uh, don't talk to us about Vietnamese pool I'll halls, I, bro. I'll take you down to Pier Street right now and show you yeah. some bookies oh, that were around in 2001. Are you, talk, are you talking to the building next to Juanita's? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I just said, Vietnamese pool hall. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's 100,000 people in this city. It's like, I mean, you can imagine a city, every other big city. But no, Dan, Dan does bring up a good point. Dan, Dan does bring up a good point that it wasn't necessarily the way that it is today. Yeah. But no, I, I don't know. Bring, bring it, bringing it back. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I just Chelsea, Chelsea spending money somehow gets us into an argument of whether the 2001 World was a fix. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds about right for us. <laughs> but I do, I do think there is something to be said there. You know, look, look at Man City. Man City is hitting at a much higher clip on big, big time purchases succeeding, right? And and Chelsea, am I am I right or wrong? You you're, you're right. They've they've had big wins. They've had big wins. The biggest one is is Erling Holland. But I mean, they're they're other. I mean, into Bruyne. But yeah, here's the other thing. They also losses though. You but you can take those losses if you're West Ham United or even Newcastle United. Newcastle United is doing really great with all their new money, all their dirty Saudi money. But like like if if you have if you sign five guys when you're a team of that size, like and four of them don't play out and one of them's okay. It's a terrible transfer window, and and the result can be you in a in a relegation battle. Well, when perfect, you're Chelsea perfect. or your Man City or your Man Knight United or or even Liverpool, like you can have seven bad signings. You're gonna have two good signings, and then you still have a great core. And bro, perfect perfect example here is how much West Ham needs Paqueta to be great <laughs> versus what Chelsea needs Joao Felix to be. West Ham has a history of guys that are kind of second tier or kind of unknown paqueta like he's a starter he's a starter for brazil so i mean he's obviously a very great player and he looks he looks good at some points but like there's a lot of they have a big history and i think a lot of english clubs run into this with all their money that it's their move it's like i've been in professional football for seven years eight years now i'm 24 i'm 25 now i'm getting 100 million dollars or whatever whatever their contract would be and it's just kind of like Put in a neutral, you know, I got my money. And, and I mean, and, and, and I think that's, I think that's the thing that happens with, with, with a lot of players who come, even if they do come to a big club like Man City or, or Chelsea, like we're talking. Sounds like Nebraska's last two head coaching hires. <laughs> yeah, they just, they get their money and it's like, it's like cruise control. I mean, ba- baseball, baseball is pretty, like pretty much the only sport, American sport that we can really compare it to because of the money that they can spend. Basketball can spend a lot of money. Well, I mean, you can you can still make a comparison to American football when it comes to a guy getting re-signed, you know, like yeah, like look at look at the rest of their team, you know, like look when at a quarterback Kenny, gets his second contract. Kenny Galladay. Yeah. 
Kenny Galladay gets paid, what has happened since? Yeah. Anytime like an, a quarterback too, who has success right away when he gets in the league, when he gets that second contract and they got to pay him like $300 million, Dude, the, team, I think, the team just goes down so bad. In baseball, you can spend and spend and spend just like almost the same as you can in soccer. Mm-hmm. I honestly think running back's the worst position for that because of the toll that it takes on their body. Like year three, guy gets paid. I mean, look, a uh, good example would be Doug Martin leads the league in rushing with almost 1,700 yards, gets re-signed, and then never has another good season. Yeah. Yeah. You bit, know, yeah. but but get, getting back to I just it's it's something that intrigues me because of how the Prem is ran kind of more like MLB than any other sport in the United States where there's no salary cap, the the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Um, and, and you're hoping, hoping to get some type of infusion of money or have some type of success to get you an allotment of money that you didn't have before and really development and then hitting your transfers. It, it, you know, that's the lifeblood and having the right coach. That's really the lifeblood of, you know, vertical movement within the premier league, within English leagues in general. And I just think it's really interesting to see teams like man United, overspend on people they just absolutely flame out it's interesting to see Chelsea you know hit at this very inconsistent rate and then to see Man City make fewer moves than both of those sides and then see the rate that they hit at and how they use development you know Foden came Foden's from Man City right like he they didn't they develop Foden I thought they developed Foden Mm. I'm pretty sure maybe I'm thinking Jack Jack Grealish I know Grealish came from Villa Yeah, I don't know about Foden. Foden, yeah. Foden was developed. Man City has been one of the higher. Them and PSG are are constantly one of the higher higher spin teams right, every but, summer. <laughs> I don't but know. I mean, outside of Holland, who else did they purchase in the last window? Julian <laughs> Alvarez. Yeah, we had a good great World Cup. Great World Cup. I dude, I'm super high on that kid. Super high on that kid. But no, it just it's something interesting. And this is this is more of like a overall topic that we will end up interjecting into just random conversation, you know, as we record in the future anyways, because this is just kind of a current events thing and the way things are run. But um, I think the next thing we were going to talk about was uh, Club World Cup, Dan. What did uh, what did you want to talk about there? So, I mean, it's um, just an just a um, short thing, but the draw for the Club World Cup takes place on Friday and that'll be happening next month. Um, so, Sounders um, find out what their path is going to be um, as far as who they're going to face in that first um, round match. So that'll be the first time that a North American side actually goes up against um, a side from another continent in a competitive match. So that'll that'll be um, really interesting to see. A first time a an American Amer- an American side. Yeah I, yeah, I said North American. I don't know why I said that. But yeah, first time a U.S. team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is kind of coming on the, the, well, the, it's a precursor to um, the powers that be in the, the world of football couldn't get their super league. So uh, what do they do? They expand the club world cup to 32 teams here coming up in a couple of years. Right. <laughs> so then it, it, I think it'd be interesting if you can, it's always like, if you could promise, that you're going to get the, I think, okay, Seattle Sounders, they're out of season. They're going to this. It's only like six teams or whatever, right? Seven teams. Of, so seven teams. One, it's one champion per conf, per um, confederation plus yeah. the whole country's champion. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, they're going to take it very seriously, even though they're out of form. They're not 
in a season right now. But I mean, um, as far as when the expansion comes to 32 teams in June of 2025, uh, if if you could create something where you're you're positive that everybody's going to be giving their best effort, I think it would be a really really good tournament. But you yeah. never know with this. You never know with these sort of things. Right. And um, I mean, just looking at the European champion, would we've already talked in this episode and we talked about it. We've talked about it in a lot of episodes already with schedule congestion. They're not going to send their best. No, they probably won't. <laughs> They're going to send no. the absolute youngsters, a couple stars, because they, they kind of get forced into playing a couple big guys. But, you know, if Seattle were to win it, I would take nothing away from them, but it, it wouldn't be like, well, let's just drop Seattle into the Premier League, then watch them finish oh, in the top eight. You know? know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if the Sounders are to win it, I mean, they'd have to go through either um, Flamengo, who's the um, South American champ, or Real Madrid. But, I mean, let's be honest, Real Madrid does not need to send its A squad to this tournament to win it. And they, prob- they almost certainly won't. Mm-hmm. And, like, would that be amazing to play Real Madrid in a competitive match? Yes. But, I mean, the Sounders need to not lose sight of the fact that they are going to have to beat either the Saudi Arabian non-champion or the champion of Morocco before they even get to that dom stage. So that's not an easy thing at all. Like either way, we're facing a champion of a continent. So this is going to be a tough test for them. Yeah. And, and like, as far as the expansion does go, like, I mean, I think, I think that's something a lot of people are kind of clamoring for would be like a few teams that, Maybe like the semifinalists from Copa Libertadores play UEFA semifinalists, things like that. I think I think that's the closest comparison. Obviously, European soccer is so much better than the rest of the world. Yeah, like only South America kind of comes close. I mean, right. if you if you talk to South Americans, they believe they come close. If you talk to Mexicans, they don't believe it at all. Uh, talk to Europeans, they probably don't. They probably don't think anything of, of those of those clubs. They're like, yeah, we'll sign your best players and. You guys are just a bunch of trash, but like, I, I I really think you could see you know teams from Argentina and Brazil and and anywhere in South America give club teams from Europe really good games if if everything yeah. was equal, you know. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, the Europeans kind of have a point considering that the Club World Cup has gone to the champion of UEFA in let's see now, uh, fourteen of the past fifteen years. Yeah. So- <laughs> managed to beat Chelsea in 2012 and that's the only time in the past 15 years that the champion hasn't come from UEFA which is which is funny too because I remember I did this random <laughs> rabbit hole deep dive on Wikipedia looking at all the old tournaments that they used to have between clubs and like tournaments that they had to get rid of because of just danger to fans because fans in South America would take things too seriously and fans in Europe would take things too seriously and people would start fighting and stuff. Um, and, and those South American teams used to win those type of things more often. Right. And, and they don't anymore. This also brings up something random that I just thought about. Did you guys see this new like investment league that they're talking about doing in Brazil where they're, they're talking about like using a bunch of Middle Eastern oil money and developing this super, super league of the Americas in Brazil to try to compete against the Europeans. Yeah, it's this crazy (laughs) idea. I don't know if it would work. I don't even know if it's worth talking about. I don't even know if it'll happen, but I just saw something about it. 
And this is making me think of that. This conversation in itself is just making me think of that. But yeah, see, I don't, I don't think they have to go to anything like that. And because of the expansion of the, the club world cup that's coming. No, I think they just need to invest in the clubs that are already there, you know, invest in the Boca juniors, the river Platts, the Palmeiras and and Santos's, you know, just invest in them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if, if they had enough money to provide the type of life that a player, like say we'll use Neymar, for example, the type of life that Neymar would want in his home country, how much more likely is he to stay? I know that he would still make more money making the move to Barcelona, but would he say it Santos if he could live like a king in Brazil still? See, I, I think he could have, but there's so much lineage. There's so much history. It's like, you know, I don't know. It would be like a top college player choosing to go to the XFL draft instead of the NFL you know, draft. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, hey, that I mean, wouldn't be the first time something no. like that has happened. Yeah, it happened in the 80s. Michael, yeah. Mike, Mike Rozier. Steve Young. Steve Young. Steve Young. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the 1984 draft is considered 1984 NFL draft. I'm I'm sorry, Corey. I know I know what you're doing here, but the 1984 draft is considered the sorriest, one of the sorriest in NFL history, everywhere outside of the state of Nebraska, because a lot of the talent that was supposed to be in that draft got sucked up by the USFL, and pretty much the only talent that was there were the three Nebraska players, some that got no. taken the first couple picks. Mike Rozier went to the USFL. Yeah, Rozier went, and but Pryor no, became the top pick, and Dean yes, Steinkler was number a, two. A Nebraska wide receiver has gone number one overall in the NFL draft. Correct. That's all you have to say. Yeah, but, I mean, let's be honest, the number one pick in the um, draft that year should have been Steve Young if he hadn't gone to the USFL. Yep, and, and the number two probably would have been Rozier. Correct, correct. You know, so, but yeah, the, the, that – this has this has existed mm-hmm. in recent history. Yeah, and Irving Fryer was actually taken in the first round in both leagues. <laughs> yeah, I still that still blows my mind that running back, wide receiver, and left tackle on that one team went like number one overall in one draft, number one overall in another draft. It, that this this is wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like if Nebraska, like if. All those players had gone in the NFL. Nebraska probably would have gone two, three, four um, in the '84 NFL draft behind Steve Young. Oh yeah, easily because it would have been it would have been Rozier, Fryer, and Steinkool. Yeah, and, and I'll I'll be the first to admit it. I really think that uh, I've always felt that the Heisman should be after the bowl games, and if it was after the bowl games, Steve Young wins Heisman. True. Just throwing that out. True. Yeah. So I mean, obviously Nebraska won the national championship. Uh, they came very close, but. Throw some fucking respect on going for two, damn it. He was right. To, he was right to do it. Um, but that that does suck for Nebraska that overtime didn't exist yet. Yeah, that team would still get argued to this day as one of the greatest teams of all time if they just hit that two. But True. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I, I give I give mad respect for having the balls of steel to make that call. Yeah, it was a good call. I I agree. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather lose than tie. Hmm. I'd rather lose in a championship than tie. Fair enough. But I don't know. I, I I think there is massive for massive potential though for developing developing teams in in, in South America. I, I think a better example than Neymar though would be the Julian Alvarez example. You know, because those kids that grow up in Rosario like that or grow up in that in that area of Argentina where they develop talent the way they do, 
they grow up being a River Platte fan. I know Neymar probably grew up being a Santos fan, but um, Julian Alvarez was at, was at his personal club. And if he could make, you know, 60% of the money that he could make in Europe, he probably stays. Yeah. I don't know. Especially I mean, if he gets to compete against these European teams on a yearly basis in a one-off tournament every year. I think that could be maybe the tipping point if, if Champions League was a world thing. At least every yeah. two years. At least yeah. every two years. Yeah. I think you could be right there, but I I, I really think they could already offer <laughs> that kind of money to, to certain players. Not every player, but I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I just think it's interesting. You know, it's something like that. I think something like that would be good for soccer as a world sport. You know, obviously it's going to hurt the, the top leagues in Europe, but I think it would be good for the sport in a world aspect. Yeah. I would, uh, I mean, it, I mean, it could open up a topic that maybe we'll cover on a different show, but like, it'd be interesting too, that if the MLS and Liga Mekis then decided to join Copa Libertadores, which they've been rumored to for a couple, two, three years now, I think that would be, I think that would be a really good move for MLS. I think Liga Mekis needs it too. There's, there's, there's more money being spent on current players in Liga Mekis than there is MLS, but and I think it, it would really, I think it would really help the growth in both sports. But isn't that isn't that also like an overinflate? Like it's overinflated. They shouldn't be paying the money that they're paying. Uh, yeah, usually, yeah, yeah. That's why they 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 tend to to stay. And I think we might have even touched on it just last week. That's why their their development seems to be kind of capping. While like you look at the United States, where the, the big thing is that getting their young players to Europe, the Mexican players are staying home, getting huge contracts. But if, if they had a chance to play in Copa Libertadores, you know, at least like the top four or five teams or whatever, there's no way that getting those six games in a group play or whatever versus the best teams in South America, there's no way that that wouldn't help development for players and for the league itself. Yeah, I also think like a big scale thing. I know neither of them would agree with it. This is a crackpot idea, but I think you should join the two leagues and create pro rel out of the two. Personally, I think I think you should just have a North American league, and, and then you take all of Liga Mekki, you take all of MLS, split them up into regions, put it all together, and, and have pro rel out of those two leagues together, and then put that whole thing in those two tournaments in South America. Personally, that's what I think. That should, that's what I think. And correct me if I'm wrong. This this is the summer we get that tournament, right? The the Liga Mekis MLS. Oh God, League's Cup. League's yeah. Cup. Yeah. Yeah, that stupid thing. <laughs> I think that is the beginning. If if enough money is made, television people in the seats, I think I think that's going to be the that first stepping stone to possibly combining combining the two leagues. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that'd be a horrid mistake. I mean. <laughs> I guess I guess what I'm looking at is is you know if we really want USA and Mexico to be able to hold the torch and lead Concacaf into World Cup tournament success, you got to curtail you know curtail the the overinflation of paying Mexican players in Liga Mekki, but you also have to keep bolstering the development of the MLS and putting them together. I think evens out all of that. Right. I mean, I've like I've done that on FIFA. And it was kind of fun, but 
I don't know. I think that's I think that's asking a lot Dom to to get Dom American to get American fans to care about regularly facing Mexican teams in a league setting. Like maybe it'll work. I don't know. But it just it just seems like it would be a bit of a tough sell, especially like I mean, I do love the idea of a promotion relegation situation, but how many MLS teams are really going to break through with the top half of Liga Max? I I think you know what actually this might be a hot take. I think it ends up becoming a 50-50 thing. I, I think I think the, you know maybe the first couple of years, yeah, Liga MX is a little bit higher up, but I think as those two things meld, you just see it even out. Maybe I really but do. Maybe I don't know because yeah, I, you're gonna. You're going to have coaching talent spill over now into the MLS. That's true. And that's but. really the only difference right now because we are – MLS is developing younger talent at a higher rate and sending it to Europe than, than – Yeah. See, I, I think I think uh, the, the combination would help certain cities like um, Chicago. For I think it would help Dallas. Dude, imagine this future rivalry between Dallas FC and Monterey. Mm. Maybe. See, like the examples that are – okay, like LA obviously, but – like LA Galaxy and LAFC already sell out the vast majority of their games. We look at a team like Chicago Fire, who are playing in Soldier Field again this year, right? Or yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, could you can imagine that? I mean, instead of having seven thousand people in like a seventy-five thousand capacity stadium, if you got America coming there, Tigres or or any any Liga MX team, really any, almost any, you know, you're gonna go from seven thousand to probably. 35 45,000 true mm-hmm. but that's all that's also a really crappy situation for um the Chicago players to be playing in a game at home where 80% of the home stadium is rooting against you but that but, would put them that would put them in a situation where they would have to try to promote their product and be like this is this is your team like yeah you're from you're from Monterey originally or your family's from Monterey but now you live in Chicago this is your hometown team you can see them every week for $17 a ticket or something like that, you know? Right. I don't support them. Not, not only that though, that influx, yes, it would suck for like maybe a year or two, but that influx of money is now going to give the fire the ability to build their own stadium. And then they, they already built sell. their own stadium and it didn't work, but I'm yeah, saying but it was on the outliers. It was, it wasn't in Chicago. It wasn't in Metro. Right? True. True. Mm-hmm. But where the hell are they going to get the land for the stadium in downtown? <laughs> Like, I mean, we can just fill the bottom bowl. I mean, fill the bottom bowl. We can go on and on with with the fires issues. I'm just saying that this would give them an influx of money to where they could have a little bit more mobility. Maybe. And I also think it would give Liga Mecki an influence, like an influx of of money from United States media to the point where I think it curtails that overinflation of players and and allows you know the those Mecki teams to send players to Europe more regularly. Like I, I think monetarily, like monetary value wise, the MLS teams would immediately be bolstered overall. But I think in the long run, it would help Mexico develop their talent better. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So yeah, I don't know. What's crazy is what's crazy is you could have like the most famous teams. You could have America, America, America FC could play every single one of their home games in Houston, Texas, and probably sell out every single. Every single game, you know, and and I mean, they already do really well. Obviously, they're a very rich club. They do well in Mexico City. Uh, 
I mean, it, it, there's this, there's this so much passion and love Mexican Americans or, or immigrants or whatever in the United States that games between the two, I mean, they, they, they create exhibition games in cities like Dallas and Houston and LA between Liga MX team and MLS teams or two Liga MX teams and, and they sell out stadium. It's, I don't know. I, I, I really think there's, it's like, there's no, there's no loser in, in combining these, these two leagues. And I mean, maybe the bottom markets in the MLS, that's probably it. But if they've been around for a while, because most of the new teams, most of the new teams in MLS, they create great atmospheres. Like they, they have a ton of locals. Every team we've seen come in, whether it's Austin or Charlotte last year, they break records. Charlotte broke attendance record. Well, and that, and that's another thing, you know, like we're, we're ripe. Like we're, we're, we're on the cusp right now. And, And for how much Dan hates it, I think it's a good thing. Apple TV getting MLS, I think is a good thing. I think that's a very cheap subscription. And I think I think that that can do good because their sole focus is MLS. So it's going to hyper promote the product. But you're right. Like seeing these new teams come in, they get so much support the moment they start. Yeah. We'll see it this year. I mean, St. Louis comes in this year. Yep. And what the fuck? Another Cade? <laughs> I, I know I put that in the group chat, but they had their first homegrown signing. Uh, St. Louis had their first homegrown. And it was mm-hmm. like some 15-year-old and his name was Cade too. Like, what's up with all these... 15 to 19 year olds named Cade or Caden just blowing it up as forwards in the United States youth national system. Yeah. Yeah. For cis males, it's Cade. For cis females, it's Maddie. Those are like yeah. the two most common names for, Bro, for this is like people like, like 15 to 30 years old. These We're straight up going to have like, <laughs> eventually we're going to run a 4 2 3 1 and, and, and we're going to have four guys out front named Cade or Caden. And it's going to be like turning on a Poland game where everybody's last name ends in ski, but instead all of our guys, <laughs> their first names are Cade or Caden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I, I think it was the Korea starting 11. Like yeah. They're all, what, what were they? Sons or no? Sons or Wongs or, Wongs something. or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you guys want to throw around? Or do you guys want to get into picks? No, we can do picks. Yeah, that's fine. All right. So I have three individual line items. Um, I hit up one of our favorite guests that we've had on and got a Syria pick from him. Um, so I do have a Syria pick to throw out there, but I got three straight line items and I have a two leg parlay. So that's kind of, I think that's going to kind of be my strategy from this point forward is. I'm just going to play individuals for the most part, but I think every week I'm going to throw out a two leg parlay to get like over plus 200 just for, just for funsies. And then maybe reach out to guests and try to get a play from them. So my first one is, and the the risk, there is risk here. I'm betting against like Vegas on this one. And I'm going Brentford Bournemouth under two and a half goals at even money born. Like, like this game screams bad team goals, so Vegas has, you know, the juice on over two and a half. What's that, Thomas? Nothing. Oh, um, so I, I, I just, I don't know. For some reason, I, I feel this is going to be a one nothing. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the under two and a half at even money. Yeah, I, I get, I get your thinking. And like uh, coming sense. back, yeah, coming back, it's been kind of sort of where we've seen more goals. It seems. Uh, yeah. On kind of that same thinking, uh, my first one uh, got the Manchester Derby at. 
6.30 Central, Saturday morning, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, 5.30 Mountain. I believe it's about 12.30 in England. Uh, <laughs> Australian time. Uh, yeah, know. and <laughs> I think it's, um. let's see, what, um, 1, p- 1 p.m. if you're watching us in Brussels or 1.30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it will be 5.30 the next day in Australia. Uh, <laughs> But uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, last two matches between them have produced five goals and nine goals. Uh, so um, and just looking at both their forms, too, they've both been scoring a lot um, since the comeback from the restart from from the World Cup. Uh, in this game, over two and a half is uh, doable with some juice that uh, the book that I took the picture from here about two hours ago was uh, minus 148. Which is which is a reasonable amount of juice. I, I think I would sometimes definitely play a, a, a minus one fifty um, just to try to get an easy winner. I think over in two and a half is definitely doable, but I will uh, take the risk and go over three and a half um, um, for the the total in the in the in the match at plus one seventy. Okay. Sorry. How many goal over what? Over three and a half is plus one seventy. Love it. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. So my play comes from the same match, actually, but I am going to go City and both teams to score. Because I mean, this has been a, as you touched on, a very high-scoring um, match. Whenever these teams have met, City has won the past three meetings between them, and I just think that we're going to see a really wide-open situation here. So City and both to score is plus two forty-five. Yeah. So. This normally doesn't happen on this show, but I I also have a play on this game. And I'm sorry, Dan. You're probably right, by the way. Like, I don't like like this is this is one of those plays I'm making that I'm trying to follow my head, but my heart and my gut are saying the opposite. My head and my my heart and my gut are telling me what you're thinking. Okay. And my head is telling me this play because I think Man U's form recently has been better than Man City's but I think Man City is the much better side. That's why my gut is telling me that you're right. But Man U with a draw no bet at plus 210, I've got to sprinkle that. I, I have to. Mm, fair. I mean, the way that Man U's been playing, I I, I hate them. Who, who have they been playing, though? I, I Yes, exactly. I know. I know. I know. But they're, they're at the cusp of like trying to guarantee themselves a Champions League spot next and this yeah, would be a match where if they can get any type of result out of, they feel really good about their chances to get into the champion. Right. And I do think, though, that Man City losing in the FA Cup, you know, yesterday, I do think that they're more motivated. And I, like I said, I hate, I hate this play. I hate it. But the, there's just too much value. Draw no bet at plus 210 is too much value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I hate it, but I love I, it. I still, like, I still like my play better, but. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But I also liked Queens minus 11 against Central Arkansas tonight, and that ain't working out. Should have taken the damn over. <laughs> and I also like TCU plus 17 and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that, that one's on you. Mine, I'm sorry, Central Arkansas is not a, good, is not a three-point shooting team. They shoot 32% from behind the arc normally, and they're 55% from deep tonight. It's like, God. Unpredictable. Ah. Uh, it was a perfectly good parlay. The other two legs are hitting with ease and freaking central Arkansas with its first road effort. The whole state of Arkansas is pretty much just dead to me this week. 
<laughs> Arkansas ruins my bet last night with a foul with half a second to go, and now Central Arkansas does this. I'm done, Natural State. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So suck on that, Walmart. <laughs> Tyson. Tyson Foods. Uh, Tyson Foods. Uh, Bill Clinton. They're listening. They're listening. Uh, uh, okay, uh, my next bet, I'm dropping down to the championship, um, the EFL championship, uh, Hull City hosting Huddersfield Town. Um, one one reason I kind of looked at this game is I saw this fake map this week where it was like the most followed teams and uh, <laughs> the most followed soccer teams in, in the United States, and it said Alabama. The state of Alabama follows Hull City. <laughs> I know it's fake. Wow. But- I think people are just trying to have some fun. I have no idea why anybody in Alabama would be watching Hull City, but uh, uh, I did kind of dig into this game a little bit. Um, six of the last eight meetings between Huddersfield and, and Hull have been a both, both teams scored no. Uh, and then Hull City has been having kind of quite a few both teams to score yeses, but um, Huddersfield Town in their last eight championship league uh, championship league matches, not counting the FA Cup. Uh, we do count the FA Cup. And actually, yeah, they had a both. Yeah, Preston beat them three to one. Throwing that one out of there, but that they're also six out of their last eight both teams not to score. So I'm going to take uh, both teams not to score, minus 130. A little bit of juice, but totally reasonable. Very, very close to what you normally would bet on an American line, American sports line. So minus 130 is something totally fine with. Yep, I'm cool with it. I like that. All right. So my next one, I am just going to keep fading the hell out of Southampton until they prove me wrong. (laughs) And I think that's a really good place to be. I'm going into this match against Everton because Southampton is coming off two cup tie wins because that's pretty much all they've got to play for at this point. But in Premier League play, they've dropped six in a row and they have failed to beat Everton at Goodison Park in their past 17 trips. So they are zero wins, five draws, and 12 defeats. So Everton at plus money, um, Toffee's at plus 120 at home. That looks really nice to me. I like it too. I'm telling that. Yep, I like it too. Um, All right, I got a individual line play on Sunday, and I am going to take Arsenal money line over Tottenham, North London Derby. I just I think uh, I think Arsenal this year is a team of destiny, and I think top like we're at the point in the season where Spurs is going to start getting really Spursy, and I think Arsenal takes this, and it's plus one twenty. So, well, damn it, Corey! Now I got to come up with a new play. <laughs> no, dude, no, 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 no. Just say I. Th- I honestly thought that you were going to go contrarian on the man you won, and I thought I was going to be like, all right, same play on to Thomas. <laughs> So, well, Dan, no, no, that's cool. Is Was that your really your next play, Dan? Yeah, that really was. So I'm going to be my next play, but that no, that's that's fine. I'm going to I'm going to pull out another one. OK, no, that's cool. Uh, Thomas can go and then I can I can do my two leg parlay if you want after that. OK. All right. What do you got, Thomas? All right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we got a London Derby that uh, everybody's looking forward to uh, Sunday morning uh, in England and. That derby that I'm talking about, of course, is Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. Uh, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we, we kind of touched on Chelsea's been struggling. Um, but if you look at who they played, I mean, they had to play Man City two times in a row. And then they lost today to Fulham. 
They did draw with Nottingham Forest. They have absolutely owned Crystal Palace. I had to go back to, I believe, 2015 as the last time that Crystal Palace beat and got a result against Chelsea. Um, Chelsea money line is pretty pricey, somewhere between minus 150, minus 165, depends on your book. But um, what I decided to go with, just because of how many goals each have been kind of giving up, I, I, I think I kind of like in this game both teams to score, but Chelsea still to win. Um, but I could also see like a one, you know, hopefully more than one, maybe like two to zero Chelsea win. So I'm going to play Chelsea money line over one and a half total goals at even money on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's a uh, it's minus money in every other book that I've or app that I even looked at, but I can get it at even money on DraftKings right now. If I played it right now, <laughs> it'll probably go to, to less than even. No, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to fade Chelsea because I feel like right now, especially with all the injuries and how much we talk about them tonight, you really don't know what you're going to get out of them. But if you're going to go one way or the other, I would, I would full send on them scoring more than a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have the history. I mean, I know all things have to come to an end. All winning streaks, you can beat a team for eight years in a row, and eventually they have to win <clears throat> in college football sometimes. Uh, but uh, like, like I said, 2015 is the last time Crystal Palace got a positive result against Chelsea. That's a lot of games. It's like 11 or 12 games in a row. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a right. lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, you want me to do my two leg parlay? Or... No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. okay. All right. So. Um, this one's going to be a very risky play, but I am going to take Bristol Rovers and both teams to score at plus 370 against Accrington Stanley. And the reason that why it's a risk is Accrington Stanley is not a good offensive team. They've only scored 21 goals some on the season in 23 matches, but our defense is hot garbage. I mean, granted, we're playing well enough to get wins. But we're getting some very high scoring wins. Some like the last the last time that we didn't have both teams find the net was December 10th, five matches ago. Other than that, three goals has been the minimum for a Bristol Rovers match. So we've won our past two matches. We're sitting eighth. Akron Stanley is sitting 21st. So I think this is going to be a game where both teams find the net. We come out dumb just ahead. So plus 370 on Bristol Rovers to pull this off. I can, I can get down with that. I'll take your word for it. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, have a... You know, 45 goals this year. <laughs> That's a lot. That's yeah. A lot. I mean, we've... No, 40, 43. My bad. 43. We've scored 42, but, mm. I mean, the only team... Like, only two teams in the entire League One have given up more goals than we have, and they're both in the drop zone. <laughs> yeah. All right. I have a... Two-leg parlay, Friday, Saturday. I'm going to do West Ham draw, no bet. So, you know, want them to win, but as long as they don't lose, then, then I'm then I'm fine. Against Wolves, who I don't believe in at all. And then I'm going to parlay that with both teams to score in the North London Derby with Spurs and Arsenal. And so the, the draw, no bet, is minus 110. You can play that on its own, but parlaying it with the both teams to score, that's minus 165, comes out to plus 206. That's not That's bad. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to make that joke about Chelsea. There's a, you know, Chelsea 
there's another London Derby. I, I, I do have something from the North London Derby as well. Uh, um, kind of goes along with what you just said. Uh, both teams score, but I'm going to do the over, over two and a half, minus 124. Uh, the last three meetings between them two uh, have gone over. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think both teams are, are definitely good to get a goal, and I think both teams are good to give up one. I, I do think there will, and I do think there will be a winner, or yep. it will be a two to two. <laughs> Whatever, as long yep. as I'm over minus one twenty five, a little bit of juice, do it. Yep. I mean, and that plays into the Arsenal money line too. I I, I think it's two one, two two, or three two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a great game. It's later too, later in the day. Usually they don't they don't like to play derbies too late, but uh, ten thirty Central is around. Well, it's like four thirty on a Sunday afternoon. Because they don't want them to get drunk. And kill each other. Yep. <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah. All right, Dan, you got anything else? No, I'm, I think I'm good for this week. All right, so our guest, our, our, our guest play of the day, or play of the week, is Napoli and Juventus, both teams to score, and over two and a half goals at plus 142. And the analysis is Napoli has been on the cusp of um, exploding goals, they had a b- bunch of shots, but they didn't capitalize in their loss against Inter Milan, um, and they won two nothing against Sampdoria. Um, but they 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 could have blown them away. And then Juve hasn't been keeping clean sheets, and it's not sustainable. So he thinks that this game is going to end up in a two two draw. But the the both teams to score and over two and a half at plus one forty two is the value that he loves out of it. Makes a lot of really sense. good value. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. it. Yep. So those are the Thanks, plays of the week. Yep. Thanks, Logan. Yeah. Um, well, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and let you go, and we will see you next week. Yep. Oh, Bye, real quick, real quick. Yeah. We already did it. Shout out Kota Cappers. Um, you know, other podcasts at Gambling Feud. Uh, not another college football podcast at Potato Gobbler. You know, uh, I know that Throwing Bows hasn't been doing anything. You know, a few of the other podcasts hasn't been haven't been doing anything. Uh, what's what what's Pace's called again? Whooping uh, bets, I think. Yeah, he's got whooping bets going on with women's basketball. And then Mount Rushmore, you know, I don't think they've come out with anything recently. But definitely give at Coda Cappers a follow because there is a ton of content, ton of picks, ton of plays, um, and it's just growing. We're, we're, we're all doing our thing, and it's it's all good. So. Yep. And if you follow Coda Cappers, you can get a link to their website, uh, codasportscappers.com. You can see nearly daily blogs from – Ours truly Dan Angel from Beast Picks. I think Pace does almost a daily blog. I mean, if so, I mean, you're getting a ton of picks. Uh, you know, there are there are podcasts on the network as well. But I mean, you can you can even follow um, Big Game Hunter, uh, the guy who loves the Skybet Championship. He's uh, got a record, I guess, against uh, soccer bets. And, you know, so you can any sport you're looking for, you can find bets being placed if you just Follow that website. You'll see it retweeted, and you can follow all the uh, the proud members of the Coda Cappers and, network. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, like just as a sports fan, you should follow them. Not even necessarily gambling. Like even even if you don't want to bet on sports, you just want interesting takes from you know people in general. The vast majority of the content that's produced isn't just straight betting. There's there's a lot of insight. A lot of people who just love sports. Love Absolutely. all sports. So definitely give Coda Cappers a follow. Yep. Beware Absolutely. of the intern. Beware of the intern. He likes to fuck up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I tell it's, been a, you it's been a long running problem. <laughs> Dude, he put my play of the day for something I didn't even text in the group chat. <laughs> like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't. Right, anyways, love the intern. Great person. Never met him. <laughs> all right. But, so I'm all sure right. there's a reason. He's, yeah. The, intern, well, the well, intern's like Tibor from The Simpsons. Yeah, right. That's a good, that's a good reference. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see y'all next week. All right. Bye, guys.